0: you're hungry cuz you're listening to everybody
1: Eats. welcome back everyone to another episode of the everybody eats podcast it's your host Bensky Bellazaire we're here with Eden XP on the line and we have a really special guest today mr. Randy Catley thank you very much for joining us today and being on today's episode so before we get into that um, make sure you follow us on all platforms. We're on Instagram, everybody eats We're on TikTok, everybody eats pod. Uh, Twitter, everybody underscore eats underscore. So we're on all those platforms. Check us out uh, on YouTube. All the videos, all the episodes are up there. So check us out. We got nice. Um, just a lot of not a lot of videos, a lot of gems that we um that we have coming out. So, hope you guys stay safe, staying healthy throughout this time. You know, uh, prayers up to all those who've been affected by the coronavirus. Um, but on that note, let's go into today's episodes getting rolling. So, Randy, uh, once again, thank you for coming all the way from Orlando, Florida, right? Or outside of Orlando, right? Um <laughs> So how about you introduce yourself, who you are, where you're from, what do you do, and then we'll get the episode rolling.
0: Sure. Uh,
2: My name is Randy Cadley. Um, I'm originally from New York, born in Brooklyn, New York, um, and uh, grew up in Long Island, New York, and have been in Orlando, Florida for about uh, 13 years now. Okay. Um, Professionally, I'm a real estate investor. Um, My real estate investing uh, pertains large portion of wholesale real estate. Um, I also own a few rental properties, and uh, I do flipping, so I, I do a little bit of everything. Um, what uh, originally got me uh, interested in real estate was um, my father bought our house in Elmont, New York, for 190000 I believe, and we lived there for, I think, four or five years. Mind you, this is like 1999, 2000. Yeah. I lived there for about five or six years, uh, you know, something like that. And in that time, the house had appreciated from one ninety to like three twenty. Mm. And he sold it and had, you know, hundred thousand dollars. And I'm like, you know, and by that time, I'm in high school or whatever. But that's enough to get everybody's eyebrow up, right? Yeah, yeah. So I paid attention to it loosely. Uh, at that point, went to college. Um, got the bachelor's degree, did that, and I worked professionally as a respiratory therapist for about six years, Um, but I'd always been interested in real estate, reading the books, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, listened to podcasts, and and, uh, read articles online, and I'd always, again, been interested, Um, so I finally took the next step and got my real estate license, Um, ended up getting a job with a local real estate investment company, Uh, and that's where I learned a lot about real estate and investing more um, it,
0: it, you
1: know, I just off from there. Got it, got it. So, um, one question I want to ask you said you learned it You learned it from your father in the sense of you know, you sold the house and you moved up, down to Florida. So, would you say, um, or I would say, rather, how would you say, I guess, like your upbringing, right? Because I know you're Haitian, right? So, how would you say that your upbringing, or would you say, like, those experiences growing up, how has that shaped? you in the sense of i guess you said want to be a real estate agent that kind of like inspired you but like i guess like now that you're in the market how would you say like your your you know your, your growth or you know your childhood helped shape you know some of the sure yeah yeah sure. yeah
2: so so um you know growing up my parents like you said originally from Haiti. I, I i didn't i didn't grow up poor yeah. i didn't grow up with all the things that i wanted right i didn't grow up with all the things that um i felt i needed at the time And um, and even in college, I'm like, man, there's got to be more. I remember one night specifically being at work because I used to work the night shift. And um, uh, I Googled uh, how to become rich in America. (laughs) How do the most successful
0: people become rich in America? And every search that I did, ended up in real estate Mm. real
2: estate real estate real estate and you know i had that initial interest in real estate back when my father stole his first property made the hundred grand i'm like well i got you know i i have the proof in my past experience and all these articles are telling me all these books are telling me real estate's the path to wealth creation so um that kind of pushed me to the next step to say you know what i need to really bring this into my life Uh, does that answer the question yeah yeah
1: definitely definitely yeah. So, Edom, do you have any uh, questions on your end
3: Uh, none so far. Just when to see how you got along your journey. Um, but I mean, to add on to what you said, yeah, land doesn't appreciate ever. So it's pretty crazy how I don't know the what was the exact numbers you said he sold it at?
2: Yeah, he, he bought it for one ninety, and I know yeah.
3: it's more than more three
2: hundred thousand. Like yeah, here three thirty, and you know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, you know, and, and, you know, the thing is, is in real estate investing, and once you, once you get into it more long-term, land always trends up, it, it, it does depreciate sometimes, right, and you do lose value, um, but it always trends up over the long-term. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you know, you gotta love real estate, you just gotta learn the ins and outs and know what you're doing, um, if, if, if you can, if you can master those things, then, you know, yeah, and you know, making money becomes a lot less
1: difficult. Definitely. So that kind of leads into the next question, right? So, all right, you said you're a respiratory therapist and now you're saying, let me go get my real estate license, right? So how was that transition? Because yeah, you said you wanted to get into real estate, right? But now you're going from respiratory therapy to real estate. That's completely two different things, right? So how was that that learning period of one, like, you know, learning, getting all that information, getting that certificate? So like, how was that transition in that process?
0: So
2: getting the real estate license uh, was not the hard one uh, because at the end of the day, it's just like school, right? You study a couple of books. Um, and, and you know, my goal was not to become a real estate agent. My goal was to become a real estate investor. And I figured, um, let me put myself in the world of real estate mm-hmm. so that I can become a real estate investor. Yeah, um, I figured I'd be that much closer because I had read all the books and you know, read all the articles. And it's like, I, I can only learn so much from reading it's time to like start doing yeah i got the
0: life past it and um uh, i I got the job at the investment company now uh, again i was a respiratory therapist
2: at the time i did both jobs because i had bills that needed to be paid and i know real estate the income is not consistent yeah yeah. you know you you you, you, um earn what you work for so I, i worked both jobs for about a year year and a half um learning about real estate investing, doing respiratory therapy at the same time, and eventually it started to click. Um, what ended up happening
0: down the line is that real estate investing company that I worked for ended up um, shutting down mm. and moved for office to
2: South Florida. So, uh, you know, now I'm here, I've gotten this real estate license, uh, i worked for these guys for a year and a half, and now they've pulled out. What am I gonna do? Yeah. Uh, and I, I didn't have money, right? Um, so, I, I luckily, I learned so much in the time that I worked for them about wholesale and real estate investing that I was able to start my own company with my business partner. And um, and, and we took off from there. Just started wholesaling deals.
1: Um, and then you just scaled from there. Gotcha. So, uh, at this point, what, what were some of the mistakes that you made or some of the early lessons? Because I know we hear it all the time, right? You learn through experience, learn through experience. So maybe like if you go walk us through like the first deal or like the first deal you remember, like how was that like? Was there any things that you learned through that?
2: Sure, um, lots with my first deal. Uh, so my first deal, sorry guys, mm-hmm. uh, can you see me? Yeah,
1: okay. yeah. My first deal in real estate,
2: um, <laughs> my business partner and I got this uh, townhouse under contract for. Fifty-eight thousand dollars. Okay. And we ended up selling it to an investor for sixty-two thousand.
1: Okay. Thousand dollars.
2: Fifty-eight to sixty-two. Um. And uh, I guess the first lesson is knowing the numbers because what was supposed to be a four thousand dollar deal ended up being a two hundred and fifty dollar deal. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and that's because you know, and that's why it's so important to know what you're doing. Uh, because in, in real estate investing and wholesaling, uh, there are assignments, which is one form of transaction, and then there's a double close, which is another form of transaction. Mm. Uh, they both are lead to the same thing. It's both wholesale, but in double closing, um, you lose a lot of your profit and closing costs. Mm. So what we thought, again, was going to be 4000 ended up being $250. Uh, luckily, we had forethought enough you know, obviously, $250, that's not a lot to split around, right? Uh, but we took that 250 and rolled it right into marketing. Not a lot of marketing, but yeah. some marketing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but luckily, God was on our side. Um, we sent out a, a couple of letters with the $250 and uh, ended up pulling a $7,000
1: deal out of that. Got it. Uh, yeah, and, and and I make sure the paperwork was right that time. Yeah. So yeah. I could walk paper with seven thousand. So um, yeah, knowing the numbers and knowing how to structure the transaction, I would say uh, would be the uh, biggest uh, learning lessons that I learned early on. Got it. So uh, if I'm interested, I don't know what the what the difference is between those two closings. So could you briefly describe what the difference is between? Sure.
0: Double, sure. Yeah.
2: Okay, oh. So let's say let's say um, you want to buy my house, right? And for simplicity's sake, we use small numbers. Let's say you're buying my house for 5,000, right? And you want to sell it to your friend for 10. You can do that using two ways. I can, You can sell your house to your friend with an assignment contract, or you can double close. A double close means you're actually buying the house for me for 5,000, then you're reselling it to your friend for 10. Okay. Uh, but in buying and selling the house, you're paying closing costs. Mm. You're paying doc stamps, you're paying title search fees, all that stuff. So it's eating into your profit when you double close versus an assignment. When in an assignment, you're telling your friend, hey, I got this house for $5,000. Pay me $5,000, and I'll let you take my spot in the transaction, mm. right? No. So, so there, there are two ways to do that. God. If you can assign if you can assign, always assign, yeah. right? It's, it's cleaner, it's neater. Um, the reason why somebody would not want to assign or the only reason somebody doesn't want to um, assign it or prefer double closing is that they're making so much money in the deal that they don't want their end buyer, your friend in this example, uh, to know how much money they're making, right? Mm. I've double closings, I've had double closings where I'm selling the house, I'm sorry, I'm getting the house for fifty thousand, right? And I'm selling it for ninety thousand, mm. right? So now, in an assignment contract that you follow, that person will be paying me forty thousand dollars to buy this fifty thousand dollar house. You get what I'm saying? So the end buyer is going to have a problem with that because it's like you're selling me this house for ninety thousand, but I'm putting forty thousand in your pocket.
1: Mm,
0: Why
2: would yeah. you do that? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? Versus versus when you're double closing. When you're double
1: closing your end buyer never knows how much money you're he making. You know what I'm saying? Because you're
2: in, in a double closing your end buyer all he knows is that he's paying ninety
1: thousand for the house. Yeah. He doesn't think like of forty thousand dollars is going into the pocket. Got it, got it. Makes sense, makes sense. Eden, do you have any questions? Nah,
3: he just answered it, explaining the difference. Cause you gotta all kinds of lost for a second. <laughs>
1: yeah. So,
3: you guys know? Nah, yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it. But your very last, yeah, which you said about the uh, forty thousand in his pocket. yeah, right,
2: uh, right, yeah. Because you know, I've had end buyers, investors say, no, forget this. I'm not going to put $40,000 in your pocket like,
1: yeah. for, for $50,000 house. No way. Yeah. And uh, I'm going
2: to put 40000 in your pocket. I'm going to this house would make 30. You yeah. made more money in the deal than not and you did nothing.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and, and, you know, in, in, investors,
1: that should not matter. You yeah. know? Like, it shouldn't
2: matter how much money you're making. Um, yeah, everybody's in the game.
1: You know what I mean? That's
2: the game. Exactly. Right. right? But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, people get emotional, yeah. especially when it comes to money. So um, I do my best in curbing that by double closing when I need to yes. or
1: signing when I need to. Got it. So my thing in an assignment, how do they know how much you purchased it for?
2: Um, typically it it, it would say it on the contract okay. depending on the contract that you have. But if you have the right contract and it doesn't show how much money you're making, they'll still see it on the closing statement.
1: So on uh. the day of the the title company, they'll get the closing statement and it'll show the investor what he's paying for. Yeah. And part of what he's paid for is
0: $40,000 going in your pocket. Got it. Uh, versus in a double close, the only person he sees is you and him. Like okay. there's no other party, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, They're seller, I'm the seller. You're buying this out for me for
2: 90,000. Um, And you're still making in that, if you double close, you probably make like 35. But it's all worth it to make sure the person's
1: going to close and not going to get his feelings, you know, in a bunch. Got you, got you. Okay. So essentially that double close is just like flipping. That's just between...
2: Double close, I guess that's a good way to say it. Yeah. To say it. It's like flipping. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, and then the assign, assignment is more like a theme. Like, hey, I found a deal, you know, yeah. pays my money. You know got it, I mean? so, got it. Okay. Uh, typically, I typically assign um, when, pro- when I'm making $5,000 or less, to ten thousand depending on the size of the deal um, uh, it's typically when I would assign but if I'm making like 20 thirty thousand uh, I'm double closing it every
1: time because it's like so much money yeah, like yeah. on the table I'm not leaving an investors uh, emotions yeah yeah uh, I don't want that to
0: jeopardize how much money I'm making.
1: So got it got it that makes sense that makes sense yeah okay
3: don't you,
0: mind your business yeah
3: don't worry about that, see? Huh? Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I
2: actually had an investor. <laughs> I had an investor of mine. Uh, I'll keep it short. Uh, I I, uh, I sold him my house. And it was a $20,000 assignment fee. Okay. $20,000 assignment fee. And I ended up listing the house for it. And I'm going to make like 5000 on that. Mm. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> he looks back. This is the only way they'll find out, right, how much uh how much if you're double closing i ended up signing this one but they can always find out how much you're making even if you
1: double close if they check property records that's true you can check online right yeah online Mm. but
2: most people don't don't do that right they have the house they have enough that they're dealing with yeah but if they check the house they'll see hey uh you made twenty thousand dollars on this house and uh he saw that he saw that and he wasn't too happy with but, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, I have expenses, I have costs, I, I have a business I'm running, yeah. you know, and, you know, I don't
0: I work for free, you know what I mean? I, yeah. you know, I luckily had enough of a relationship where with him where it wasn't that big of a deal. But, again, people get emotional. Um,
1: yeah. So if you do a decent size uh, spread on the deal, I, I wouldn't risk it. I would just double risk. Gotcha. Well, that's
3: smart. You emotions out of the whole thing letting them not Exactly, yeah. right, right.
1: It's just a little bit more work, but it's more like security yeah, a little bit. Yeah.
3: You were gonna
2: make thirty thousand on the deal, and now you're mad at me because I made forty. You're still making thirty, but you're so busy looking at my pockets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know, that again, that's why it's very important to not structure the transaction to make sure it goes as you want to.
1: Got it. Got it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Alright, so on that note, we'll wrap up the first segment. I think that was very informative. So we'll wrap this up. We'll go into our second segment where we'll do the quote of the day and Edom has that for us. What's up everyone? Welcome back. Segment two Everybody Eats Podcast. We're here with Randy Cadley talking about real estate and wholesaling. So right now we're about to do the quote of the day and Edom has that for us. So what what do we got?
3: Alright. If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at will change.
0: Ooh.
1: I like that. Any tips? <laughs>
3: um, to be honest, you won't get it. No? <laughs> <laughs> it's another one of those. Okay. One of,
1: those. One of but, um, Who said it then?
3: Um, I have the character's name from the show, but, um, his name is uh, Thomas Shelby in the show, and he's an actor. His name is Cillian Murphy, but mm. so he played um. Uh, if y'all seen the Batman movies? He played uh. Scarecrow.
1: Okay. Batman,
3: uh, I yeah! It I got it, got yeah. it,
1: got it, got yeah. It, got it, Yeah, I, know, I don't know. I know his name, in but okay. Inception,
3: and he's in Dark Knight Rises. But right now he's in a show called The Peaky Blinders. It's on Netflix. It's one of the shows I uh. I've kind of binged through during this time. God. Um, I've been productive. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. good. Got you. Got you. So, could you say it one more time? Uh,
3: if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at will change.
1: Nah, definitely. I mean, that that's,
3: that's yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, that goes into perspective, right? Perspective is everything. Um, one thing that I've been kind of like been telling myself lately, especially during quarantine, is like just because something is hard, doesn't mean it's impossible. You know, and I think that kind of like, that's helped change my perspective on anything that's really to say like the podcast, personal growth. It's like, all right, granted, this thing may be hard, but just because it's hard doesn't mean that I, I can't do it, right? Just because it's hard just means it's going to take a little bit. Like, if it's hard, that just means it's going to take a little bit more work, right? And then now it's just a matter of, you know, what steps can you do to, or what steps can you take to fulfill in order to get that task done, right? If it's impossible, then there's no point in even trying or starting, right? But if it is possible, it's just hard. It's like, all right. Once you realize you can do it, now you just have to break it down into steps on how you can do it and start tackling those steps. So that's just something I've been trying to like tell myself a little bit lately, like, instead of something hard and being like, ah, let me not even try, it's like, all right, let me take a second to analyze and be like, hey, it's possible, just break it down to something that's manageable. So, um, so that, yeah, end, I like that.
2: Again, just taking the emotion out of it, right? It, yeah. it, it's all, you know, it almost is like saying it's hard is an emotional response, right? Like, if you just take all that out of it and just, like you said, make the plan and do the plan. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's hard, whatever, how I
1: feel about it, you know, just throw all that out the window and just focus on what you have to do. You know, you'll get to where you want to be Yeah, okay. yeah. And obviously, yeah. it takes time and things like that, but yeah, sure. definitely. Once you take, I like that, once you take that emotional response of, like, ah, it's hard, I can't oh do my it. God, yeah. It's too much. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <right. I don't
2: laughs> mean, I've gotten that out the way. Yeah. Like, and like you said, if it's achievable, then. Uh,
1: achieve it. Yeah, That's yeah. It. You know what I mean. And 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 the people that uh, achieve it are the are the doers. People who you know actually take action. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: definitely like that. You I, I kind of see that a little. Just a, I I wouldn't. The way I view the quote, I wouldn't throw away the whole emotional response right away. Um, I think it has to do with subconscious, not self confidence and ambition. So I mean, if you don't. If you can tell yourself, "Hey, I can't do this," or I mean, if you if you look at something, and and instead of looking at all the the cons and how hard it might be, and you look at the pros and everything, and um, you then can go and fit yourself in that puzzle and realize, you know, see where you fit in and how you can go and and attack this and make it work for you. But that's my take on it.
2: Yeah. No, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. It's like, at the end of the day, boils down not how bad you want it, uh, you know? Yeah. Um, because, you know, the, the, the way you feel, you know, you feeling that it's hard, it's not like it's not a feeling worth having. Um, it is what it is, right? It's hard, and, and that's very important. But um, repeating to yourself over and over again that it's hard is only going to make it more difficult.
1: That's true, and, yeah, yeah.
2: And it's like, at some point, you have to accept this is what it is, um, and luckily... It's possible for me to get from point A to point B, albeit it's going to be difficult. That I'm going to sweat and I'm going to, uh, you know, have stress. It's achievable as long as I
3: follow the steps that I have laid off for myself. Uh, it's letting go of that defeated attitude that like exactly. something mm-hmm. that go from the jump. I know a lot of people who just you know. It's hard. It's not, not come easy. Up. It's yeah. not easy. It's not it's easy, fine. and I, I don't. Hard.
2: I don't want for a second because I've I've struggled with it myself. You know, and and this goes for. Any goal that you have, whether it be professional or personal or you know whatever, um, you know, um, there are going to be challenges, roadblocks, uh, but it's the people who uh, understand the steps that they have to take and actually take it and push through are the ones who are going to achieve all the things that they want. You know, so
1: yeah, definitely. Kind of makes me think back to I don't know if you've been watching uh, the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary.
2: I didn't get a chance To catch it Oh okay Nah
1: Every every Sunday They've been showing it Really really good Really really good Really worth a watch But Jordan Just like Listening to Jordan And like You know Talking back Of his mindset When he was like In college And when he first Got to the NBA um, And like Listening to like All his coaches Say like Yo, like, he, he, like, the the way he would increase, like, his skill development was crazy, and it was kind of nuts, because he was just always had that mindset, like, he wants to be the best. Like, no matter what's in front of him, who's better than him, what challenges, like, he's like, I want to be better. Like, and he admitted, like, he had a competitive problem, right? But that's allowed him to, like, in terms of basketball skill, it's like, he just always wants to be better than the person next to him, you know? So, granted, like, they're saying when he first went to college, like, the first, like, two weeks, he wasn't the best player on his team. Right, But then they're like, after like two weeks, he just like, you know, just trained crazy hard. And then he was like, in two weeks, he was the best player on the team, right? And then it was like, it was just that, yeah, exactly. It's like that mindset of just like, I'm granted, like, when it, especially when it comes to sports, I'm sure, like, it's crazy hard to like increase your skill like that. But it's like, you know, don't focus on the problem, but focus on like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do to solve it. This is what I'm gonna do to achieve. This is what I'm gonna do to overcome. Like, once you it's have that, that ambition.
3: yeah, it's that it's ambition. It change the way you look at stuff. Yeah, you know, you're not defeated right away. Yeah, you. A lot of people, especially athletes, I mean, going from high school, high school athletics, being the best on the team the college where everyone is either as good as you or better than you and then a lot of people like easily just sit and stay defeated and then you know when you look at things differently, um, boom, you know, you can you, you, you end up like Jordan, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, your you're, you're version. Your yeah, version. Yeah, exactly. Your version of Jordan, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's possible for everybody
2: and, and, and the steps that people have to take are all out there. Um, it's just, you know, not very many people are willing to let go of that. Oh, it's never gonna work, it'll never be me. Um and you know, I look I, I'm guilty of it too, you know what I mean? I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not perfect by any means, right? Uh, we all have, you know, things that we suffer from or whatever, but uh it is possible. Um and, and the steps to achieve it are focusing on the solution and, and less on the
1: problem. So. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Yeah. So um on that note, we can conclude the quote of the day. even if you could run it by uh, read it back, if
3: you change the way you look at things, the things you
1: look at will change. That's How on much sell you? Definitely, definitely. <laughs> so on that note, we'll conclude the second segment, and then we'll go into segment three. We'll go more in-depth into wholesaling and real estate, talking about a little bit more numbers, how to find deals, and things like that. So stay tuned. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to segment three of the Everybody Eats Podcast, so we're here again with Randy Cadley, Edem Equity on the line. So we're about to get into uh, some wholesaling, some real estate, talking about how that works and getting to those uh, those details. So, um, the first deal that we went over a little bit before about your first deal, and you were saying uh, you bought it for 58 and sold it for 62. So, yeah. um, if you could just walk us through, so before you even get to that point, right, how do you even, for those either don't know what re- uh, wholesaling is or want to get into wholesaling, right, how do you even get into finding the property like what's that like very first step before you've been finding that 58k deal sure sure
2: so uh, at the end of the day what you're doing is um, picking up uh, discounted property and selling it to people who are willing to pay more than what you got it for so now the question is how do I find people that want to sell me their houses for uh, 50 cents on the dollar that's mm. the whole name of the game mm. um, so what you want to do is track people who are who will more than likely sell you your their house at the price that you wanted for so the people that we target are absentee owners uh people who own the house but don't live in it uh we target people who are defaulting on their property tax. Mm. we target people who um are not taking care of their property so they have liens on their property from the city for overgrown grass or whatever um, we target people who are um, going into pre-foreclosure and the way we target them is uh, either by sending them letters yeah, or um, calling them um, and you know uh, you, you want to call as many people as possible and you want to send as many letters as you can afford to send <laughs> uh, to increase the likelihood of yeah. you actually getting a deal um, so that's how you solve that first part of the equation um, finding the property you eventually you get the calls,
1: you talk to the people, you negotiate at the price that you need it for, um, and then you find the investors that will then turn around and buy. It. Got it. So those investors when you're when you're finding those investors and you look at the deals, that's where the double close and that assignment comes into play.
2: Sure. Yes, that's where the double close and uh, assignments come mm-hmm. into play. And you know, to take it further, finding the investors,
1: right? There are yeah. a lot of different ways where you can find the
2: investors. The first thing I do whenever I pick up a property. It doesn't matter where it is i could pick up a property in arizona california doesn't matter the first thing i do once i feel like i have a deal is i look a half a mile to a mile away and i look for people who are doing business in the area before i even call my guys people that i know would take it yeah i look for investors that are doing business right where i have the property and i can find those investors on property records right um i can take a look to see who's bought and sold the house within the last six months or who's bought and sold the house within six months
1: i should say mm. or within a year um i'll find that guy because
2: it's a harder it's an easier sell right look i have a product that you're familiar with like you flip the house down the street and made thirty thousand. i have the same house you know if you, if i can get in contact with that guy he's going to take it he's going to take it off my hands yeah, yeah, right? yeah um so i like to start with those guys first um, and you can find their phone numbers typically on white pages or Googling their phone number. You might hit a couple of dead phone numbers first, but eventually find that guy um, and, and then he'll more than likely buy it for me. And then I'll call through my list um, of people uh, who I think might buy it as well. Got
1: it. So I'm assuming that list that you have, that just comes with time and experience and just people. Keeps...
2: It with time. Yeah. I, I, when, when, when you're in this business, um, information and data is gold. You never throw anything away i have people in my phone that i've done business with uh for three i had done business with in three years but i still have their phone number and communicate with them every once in a while because uh you never know right like i i I, what i do is i whenever i pick up a deal i first find the local investors that are flipping or buying in that area and then i'll email it to everybody that i've ever done real estate investing with Mm.
1: um because you
2: never know what they're interested in so um as you the more you spend time in the business the bigger your network gets and um you want to store everybody that you've ever done business with for that purpose so that you can do later business with
1: them gotcha so like email list like hey i got this house first come first, serve.
0: And <laughs> first
2: come first serve you better get it now um before it's too late uh whatever i gotta do because at the end of the day it's marketing you gotta get as much eyes on your product as possible yeah um uh, so I'll email it. I'll send a mass text to everybody. Um, that that's typically what I do if the first step hasn't worked. If I've been able to find anybody who that i take it off my hands. I'll just email every single person.
1: Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. So um, you hear this, uh, or at least I've heard this phrase a lot: uh, driving for dollars, right? So what would you say? What does that mean to you? And like, how, how do you how do you do that if you do? Um. Driving for dollars works.
2: All strategies work. Some strategies are gonna take more time and um, are going to uh, require more energy and So it's like, the more money you spend, uh, the less you have to work. The less money you spend, the more you have to work. So if you don't have anyone, you can drive for dollars. Um, I've I've made money
1: driving for dollars. And and it's crazy because I, I, I didn't go out with the intention of driving for dollars. Uh, I was driving and I just paid attention yeah. um to, you know, houses that look like, you know, they needed somebody's help. Now, obviously, <laughs> you know, yeah. like like the grass is overgrown or windows are busted out or boarded. I'm like, all right, let me call this guy, uh,
2: because I think he obviously has a problem, um and I I can be the solution for it. Yeah. I can I can take the property off his hands at a discount. Yeah. Um and, and do what I need to do. So I think I picked up a house one time. They said, it's crazy. I was on my way to a house that my business partner and I got under contract. And on my way to that house, I saw a house
0: that had been burned down. Mm. It, and it, it looked like it had been sitting there for a while.
2: I look up who the owner is, and I sent him a letter. He called me, and we negotiated. I told him I'd give him $10,000 for the house. He said, okay. And I found somebody else the same day to buy it from. Just like that. (laughs) Just 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 paying attention. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um obviously
2: there's a lot you know, I have the network, right? I know who to call. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. You know, I know my guy would take this from me for, you
2: know, a pretty decent penny. So if I if I can get, you know, the seller to um get on the same page with me, then I, I can make some money.
1: Got it, got it. Okay. So then uh, I guess that kind of goes back. I was going to say, if you don't have that network, how do you do that? But that goes back to that first tactic you said of being able to just Google who's done business in the area, and that can right. start like that network there.
2: Right, and, and technically, you, you don't even have to wait, you know, because there are two sides of the business. There's buyers and sellers. Um, if you're trying to find sellers, typically selling the deal, if you have a real deal, isn't going to be a problem mm. um, if, if it's a really good deal. Yeah. But uh, if you're looking to build your buyer's list, um, you don't have to wait. You just find a neighborhood, look, look, look on property records, it, you know, if you can, uh, for people. Florida is very good in that. All this information is public. I'm not sure what it is like in other states. Yeah. Um, but I can see who, anybody who's bought a house and sold it within the last six months. So if somebody who's just walking in uh, and wants to build their cash buyer network, pick a neighborhood, look at the investor activity, and find those guys. Say, hey, look, um, I'm in real estate wholesale. Um, I find cheap deals all the time. Should I call you when I have a really good deal? Like, do you want me to call you? Yeah. And Nine times out of ten, they'll say yes. Yeah. And you just build that list, build yeah, that yeah. list. And, and then eventually, when you do find a deal, half the problem's already solved. You have the people to buy it. Now you're just looking for the deal. So.
1: Got it. That's um, so, Yeah, Ian, do you have anything else? No. Nah
0: yeah okay so I was and just... what's really cool what's
2: really cool is that you learn the most um about investing from other investors yeah right right like, um having the conversations with them uh asking them hey so you know i'm looking for these deals for you tell me what you like in the deal what kind of return do you like um what what, what should i know about it you know you're you're picking things up for your own investing one day yeah, yeah. Uh, And and you start to be able to talk the language that they speak and uh um, you know, it, it makes it easier for you to find them that
1: deal because you know, you know what they like and not don't like. Got it, got it. Um, so out, outside of wholesaling, uh, you know, there's different tactics. There's like buying, buy and hold, buy and flip, and I guess you could say buy and flip is similar to that, like double close you mentioned before. So uh, do you, I don't do you mainly focus on wholesaling? Like, if you could you speak pretty much on like buy and hold and those tactics and strategies that you've used um, out there in Central Florida. <laughs> Sure. Um
2: well the way I see it is wholesale is money right now. Yeah. Money right now, cash in the bank. Um flipping is money a little later. And rentals is money forever. Mm. All right? So depending on where you are in your investing journey, it might make sense for you to do one or the other. If you work at, you know, Target or wherever. Um, It doesn't make sense in my opinion. Everybody's got a different strategy Um, But in my opinion, I don't think I think you have a cash problem You don't have a a really cash flow problem. You need more capital, right? So for that person I would tell them hey focus on wholesale Let's get some change up. You know what I mean? Let's let's uh, let's get some money in your bank and then you could focus on the money later by flipping Increase more capital and then once you have enough capital buy all the rentals you want.
1: Got it, to, got to, it. to solidify
2: the capital. Yeah. yeah. The
1: it's like that. Diversify, kind of like that. Phrase. It's diversifying. Yeah. I think.
2: I think. I think. Uh, I think a good investor. Uh, you know, everybody. Everybody's a, uh, definition of investing or what a good investor is is different, but I think a good investor uses a lot. Utilizes all the strategies. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think I'll ever stop investing because uh, you know, once you acquire the knowledge base,
0: um, it's not difficult. As an investor, if you're going to be looking for rentals and flips anyway, right? Um, the deals that you don't want, you also got it. So, how long so, you know, go
1: ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say, how long is that, is that period between buying and selling in wholesaling?
2: Uh, in wholesaling, yeah. Um, uh, you know, the closing uh, typically takes three to four weeks in Florida. I don't know, you know, how long it takes in other states, but uh, you know, three weeks, four weeks uh, typically is all, all it takes
1: okay because i remember um a few weeks back when we had that conversation you said that i think like you were you made a deal from your desk for like 5k didn't even like like in one day so like if you can speak about that yeah
2: sure so so that's that's going under contract okay right but but the actual closing takes like three weeks that actually that deal i told you about just
1: closed yesterday Uh, gotcha gotcha okay
2: um, so yeah, just to give you a little backstory, um, uh, like the story I with Bensky, um, because my network, because I, I I know so many local investors, I saw
1: a deal on another wholesaler's list. Okay.
2: It was a, it was a different wholesaler, right? Yeah. And he had emailed me this deal. Um, I think it was for fifty-two thousand or something like that. Uh, I think it was like fifty. No, he was he was asking he was asking sixty-two. He was asking I think sixty-two thousand. Something like that, and um, I'm like, man, I think I can sell this deal. I called him. I told him i will give him 50 for it, and we went back and forth, and uh, we landed at 52. I called my guy, the guy I knew that would like this house, and I negotiated with him and sold it to him for 57. Um, so I went under contract with the guy who sent me the deal for 52, signed it, turned around, signed it, uh, signed the contract with my buyer for 57. And this was all in one day. <laughs> all in one day. And um, and, um, and it just closed, yeah. So the closing, you have to do title search, your lien search, the title company handles all that. Yeah. And they contact all the players involved and make sure everybody's on the same page uh, to schedule a closing. And uh, yeah, that typically takes like three or four weeks from the time you sign the contract. actually. Gotcha, to get paid. gotcha, gotcha. Okay,
1: right, so then once it closes, that's when the money hits the account? Once it closes, that's yeah. when the money hits the account. Got it, got it. Okay, okay. Man, okay, that make that, make sure that makes a lot of sense. What's the
3: most fun you had doing this? Like, your your most fun. The deals? most fun I had. Um, the most uh, my company had a really
2: really good month profit wise, um, uh, and with that money we took our entire office um, on a basically a, an adult field trip. Uh, <laughs> we rented a Sprinter. Yes, uh, sir. Rented, sprinter for the team, and uh, we went, we did go-carts, uh, we did go karts carts and uh,
0: we did um, uh, some type of, I think, paintball thing, and we ended the night uh, like at strip club, this so cool. yourself,
3: beat yourself. Yeah, no,
0: no,
2: no, yeah, yeah, hard work deserves a uh, hard rewards. you know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, yeah, we, we, we uh, congratulate the team on
1: the top of the- Yeah, okay, how big is the team, all right, all right. right now?
2: Um, right now, it's me and my business partner, and I have three three guys that okay. sell deals, buy and sell deals for. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And
1: then it's all under one one. Uh, all
2: under one. Uh, this this is the
1: wholesale company. Yeah. yeah. Um, the wholesale company we have my business
2: partner and I owned it, and then uh, the three sales agents.
1: Got it. Got it. Okay. So um, what would you say goals are for the goals are for the future, whether it's personal, whether it's for the business. I know everyone's going to say grow, 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 but do you have anything specific? Like one time I got asked one of our guests, he was like, what's your conceited goal? Like what, what would you say is like your conceited goal or something that you really want to see happen for the, for the team? My conceited goal? Yeah. Uh, like no,
2: no limits. Um, uh, I eventually want to go into commercial real estate. Okay. Um, uh, I want to, uh, you know, own apartments and, um, you know, um, commercial pauses. maybe after that. Um, and my end goal, had to put a number on it. Uh, I'm shooting for $30,000 a month in, in residual cash flow. Okay. Right? Like, yeah. if, you know, if number was, like, not a factor or whatever, I mean, yeah, you could always go bigger, but, you know, I think $30,000 $30, a month is passive
1: income. Got it, got it. Okay. Can you wholesale commercial stuff? That'd be harder, I'm assuming. Yeah. You can? Okay. Yeah.
2: Oh, it takes a little longer. and It's a little bit more complicated. Yeah. That's why I don't do it. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's complicated in that, you know, uh, to sell the deal. I mean, you're it, it, you're selling the numbers, but the way the investor is going to look at the numbers are a little different mm. than you know your guy who's looking to fix and flip or you
1: know rent. Got it. Got it. it's
2: okay. Just a little bit more critical, but critical, but you can't do it. Though.
1: Got it. Got it. All right. So, Edom, do you have any uh, final points you want to make? Any questions?
3: Uh, I feel like I think everybody has their own answer for this. And I've been seeing a lot of um, some articles today about it. But uh, what's your personal, um, I guess, theory or thought on how COVID's going to leave your field,
2: the effect it's going to have? Well, that's a good question. And like you said, everybody's going to have a
0: different answer. Um, I personally don't think COVID-19
2: is going to affect the real estate market like that um, it depends if we stay in this quarantine position this holding pattern for a prolonged period of time if people are not working and uh, you know not making money that's less people to buy houses uh, so I think there's less people uh, buying for me to flip houses uh, because they're afraid that there's going to be no end buyer on the other side if if uh, we do go back to work and uh, Americans are able to go back to their jobs and, and make money and buy houses, um, I, I don't I don't see COVID nineteen uh, being that big of an issue in real estate. Got it. Got it. But what I do see being a big problem in real estate, I think, what might eventually cause like some type of uh, correction in the market is uh, wages, mm. uh, because you know inflation and appreciation housing prices are getting so, um, they're, they're, they're increasing so fast, people are having a hard time reporting them. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh to give you an example, there's like a C-class neighborhood in Orlando. C-class meaning like, you're not in the hood, but you don't wanna walk around in that. You know? yeah. uh, I, I used to sell C-class properties in this neighborhood for like, you know, 50,000, so that the investor could sell it for a hundred on later on down the line. Um now that same house I have to sell to the investor for a hundred thousand. Mm. So he could sell it for, for one one sixty, one seventy. Yeah. Mind you, I've only been in real estate for maybe six years. So that means prices have gone up, you know, dramatically in that time. Yeah. But wages have stayed the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, now these people were trying to buy. where they? They were qualifying for a hundred thousand dollars. Now you're asking the same people to qualify for one seventy, one eighty. Yeah. Not it's not gonna happen. Sudden, be more money yeah, yeah. Money. It's not so, gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so what's gonna happen is, is, you know, it's gonna get so difficult up to the point where either wages are gonna go up, which is not likely, yeah, or housing prices are gonna have to come down
1: so that business can keep going. That, that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But everybody,
2: everybody has their own piece of real
1: estate. To definitely, definitely. So, um, we'll see. We'll see. I thought, I figured, um, I know in New York and like a lot of places are having like, uh, like rent strikes, like, oh, we're not paying rent. We're not paying rent. So I was wondering, like, when it comes to people who like, if you're a landlord, right? You have a property and well, I- Well, that's another
2: thing. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. the, the, the rent part of it, it is something else. There's a lot of landlords. I know uh, somebody who owns Airbnb's, uh, and they took a big hit, yeah. Because your business model uh, needs people to go on vacation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or, <laughs> you know. And, and
0: yeah, I heard about that. The Airbnbs yeah. taken the biggest hit, probably more than airlines are. The yeah, because because the thing is, you didn't buy off of cash flow. You 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 bought off of speculation. Mm. You, you you know those investors purchased the house knowing that. Hey, as long as people are traveling and want to go to Disney World, they're gonna pay, you know,
2: three, $400 a night to stay in my house. And then COVID-19 happens, right? Yeah. Nobody's traveling anywhere. Yeah. And you bought the house and, and nobody's gonna pay $3,000 a month in rent or whatever it is that you need to make sure that you're still cash flowing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're just losing, you know what I mean? So those guys, those guys are gonna get, those guys are gonna get hit, but um, you know, like for my properties i had like one or two tenants that didn't pay rent um you know i i expected it um and uh i i think eventually things will correct themselves you know what i mean um and, and luckily my rentals are in the bottom of the market right so my rents are like six or seven hundred dollars uh, a month yeah um somebody's always going to be able to pay six or seven hundred dollars a month right like you know that, that that's my idea behind it versus your Renters at 2000 2500 or whatever it is when the economy goes down, or when something like this happens and people struggle to find that money.
1: Um, those are the people that are more likely to fall private, you know. Yeah, what I mean? yeah, so, yeah, definitely. not. that's a I, I didn't really think about that. It does make sense, so mm-hmm.
2: yeah. I, I, I like investing in my, like, I, I, I invest in the hood, yeah. you know what I mean, like in like low class or you know, C class properties, uh, for that reason, it, you know. Um, Investing doesn't have to be, and investing is always risky, but it doesn't have to be, right? Like, you, you can set up
0: safeguards to make it less risky. Um, and and you know, I think
2: you do that by spending as little bit of money on the property as possible and maximizing as much rent as you can. Uh, again, knowing that, you know, like, seven, six, seven, six, seven, eight hundred dollars a month, somebody's always going to be able to afford that. So. Covid nineteen breaks and your tenants can't pay rent. You can get a job at you know Target or you know um, Walmart or wherever and, and, and find a way to make your rent. pay Versus uh, the person at twenty five hundred, what's he supposed to do? Yeah, that stimulus check doesn't come to time. Yeah, you're not getting rent. Yeah, it's true. So you know, you know, luxury rentals are cool, but uh, you know, you just got to make sure
1: that you're playing it smart. Definitely, definitely. That's that's some gems for anyone listening out there. So. Um <laughs> definitely definitely got some tips that they could take. For sure, for sure. sure. Um, so yeah, on that note, um, I just want to thank you for, for joining us today. If how could can people find you if they want to learn more about uh sure. the film? Um I'm on
2: Facebook at Randy Cabin. Yeah. I'm on um, Instagram at RK12, R C A D E twelve. Um
0: Yeah, just um uh, hit me
2: anytime if you guys
1: have any questions or anything. All right, definitely, definitely. So for all our listeners, on thank you um, for you know listening to today's episode. Thank you very much, Randy. Um no Man, stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, make sure you're calling your loved ones, stay positive, all all that good stuff. So um, peace. Thank you for coming. See you guys next week.